back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 193. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we're going to finish the first book of Samuel. We're going to start on chapter 15. And again, we're going to skim this. There's a lot of narrative here, not a lot of doctrine here. But we'll get a sense of Saul and some of his failures, and even a little sense of David and some of his uh, issues as well. We won't get too much into David today. So unless you're driving, turn to chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. We see that Samuel had not uh, fulfilled a requirement of God to get rid of all of the people from the uh, the Amalekites, right? And so he's, he's supposed to destroy everything. He doesn't do it. And in verse 10 of chapter 13, the Lord spoke to Samuel. Remember, Samuel is still the judge, okay, who anointed Saul king uh, not long before this incident. He says, I regret having made Saul king, for he has turned from me and has not kept my command. Now, just as an aside here, uh, again, the word of uh, the, the Bible is the word of God in the words of man. So sometimes the author will want to anthropomorphize uh, God. In other words, you know, he'll have God say something like, I regret having made Saul king. Well, first of all, God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows even the future and all that. So um, in that sense, God is, well, God is spirit, okay? He's not human in, in that sense. So does God experience regret? Well, that perhaps that's the author's way of, of saying, you know, if, if God were to quote-unquote regret an action that, that he made, uh, what that really means is that God takes away the benefits, the graces, the favors that uh, a person was previously receiving, okay? So it's not, you know, everything that God does, there's a plan to everything that happens, okay? God's ultimate plan in the Old Testament was, uh, at least in these books of, of the Old Testament, that David become the anointed uh, king. But David's young, and so we got to go through Saul first. We already saw how Saul wasn't such a great general. He made his guys uh, fight on an empty stomach, and he wouldn't let them rest and all that sort of thing. And then he took all of the credit for everything. He's going to continue doing that. So he's not a good leader, but David is still a young man at this point. Um, by the by, the way, as we saw last time, Samuel had already said, hey, you know, you tried to be a priest and offer a sacrifice, only the priests are supposed to do that. And as a result, somebody else is going to, you know, be the all-time cool guy, and it's, and, uh, it's uh, not going to be you. It's going to, actually, we will find out. We will see today. It's going to be, it's going to be David. So, uh, enough about that. Saul, um, anyway, he, he just is, is not, not a great leader. Okay. So then Samuel goes down to Bethlehem 
and he's going to look for the guy who is going to be Saul's ultimate replacement. And he visits with, uh, with a guy, Jesse, and we know him from the Jesse tree at Christmas time. Jesse is the father of a bunch of sons, one of which is David, of course. And so Jesse shows him all the older ones. And Samuel in chapter 16 is basically like, well, not quite what I'm looking for. And here's a verse worth underlining. Uh, the last part of verse 7 of chapter 16. Um, Samuel is, is saying, hey, you know, I, I reject these other guys, these other sons of yours, Jesse, even though they, they look pretty good. But um, he, the, the Lord said to Samuel, do not judge from his appearance or from his lofty stature. Remember, Saul was tall, too, and he's not working out quite right because I have rejected him. Here's, the, here's what I really want you to underline. Not as man sees, does God see, because man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. So Samuel's going to choose David. Uh, you know, Jesse says in verse 11, hey, you know, I've still got a young kid here, but he's just, you know, he's just tending sheep. Samuel sees him, and in uh, verse 12, the Lord said to Samuel, There, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel, with the horn of oil in hand, anointed him. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed on David. That's in verse 13. Okay. Verse 13 of chapter 16. So the good news for David is he is anointed. He is going to be the new king. The bad news is Saul is still king, and he ain't going to give that up. Plus, in addition, Saul is fighting against the Philistines. Now, we learn that Saul also maybe has some, uh, some mental issues. He has, we see in verse 14 of chapter 16, um, that Saul had a spirit of melancholy. And so he said, maybe if I heard some good music now and then, I'd, I wouldn't feel so bad all the time. So they, uh, Saul asks in verse 17, Saul then told his servants, find me a skillful harpist and bring him to me. And that's how David, who is apparently a skillful harpist, gets introduced to Saul. And then David, while he's introduced to Saul, is made Saul's armor bearer. Okay, so that's one story in this of, of how David gets to, uh, gets to know Saul. Remember I said, I've said many times in the Old Testament, you know, there's usually a couple of different stories that are similar, but have some differences. And when all of these books were in their, their final editing stage, the editors thought, I'm not going to choose between, let's say, a northern tradition and a southern tradition about David. I'm just going to put them both together, and each of them will tell us something else about David and Saul in this in this case. So in chapter 16, we're told that uh, David basically is introduced to Saul because David is a good harp player, 
And Saul needs to hear the harp a lot because he's melancholy. You know, he gets depressed a lot. Okay, but now chapter 17, maybe there, here's a different version of how David gets to meet Saul. You're probably familiar with the story of David and Goliath. Okay, David, Goliath's a big guy. Uh, chapter 17, verse 4 tells us he was about six and a half feet tall. And, you know, he's a pretty imposing dude, especially for, for that time. And instead of the Philistines and the Israelites deciding to have a war per se, they say, why don't we just have Goliath, you know, the, the Philistines say, hey, how about Goliath meets one of your warriors and whoever wins, that's, that's the winner and we'll, we'll settle up after that. Now, in the chapter 17 version of how David uh, comes to meet uh, Saul, it explains that uh, David comes into camp. Once again, it explains that David's from the uh, uh, from the tribe, you know, from the lineage of Jesse and all that sort of thing. And it says, um, Jesse wants to just have David, the young one, take some roasted grain and 10 loaves for their brothers who are fighting who are going to, you know, be witnessing this battle between Goliath and whoever the Israelites uh, select to go battle, to, to go do battle. Well, anyway, in this story, David meets up with Saul and says, hey, let me do this. But Saul says, uh, hey, you're, you're just a kid. You can't do this. And um, in this story, part of the story, um, Saul doesn't really even know who David is in, in chapter 17. We find that out from the, uh, from the end of chapter 17. But anyway, David, he is, he's fearless, and the reason he's fearless is he knows God is with him. It's not because he's such a great shot, though he certainly is that, you know, he's a shepherd boy. Shepherds have to keep the wolves away from sheep, so he got pretty good with a slingshot, and you know the rest of that story. So uh, David says, hey, I'm, I'm, I may be young, but, you know, I've killed lions and bears and stuff that have been trying to get my uh, sheep, and I'm going to get this uncircumcised Philistine. This is in verse 36 of chapter 17. Um, because he insulted the armies of the living God. Verse 37 might be worth underlining. David continued, the Lord, I want you to circle the Lord as you underline the rest of the verse, who delivered me from the claws of the lion and the bear will also keep me safe from the clutches of the Philistine. Now, you can read the rest of the story. It's a great story. But I want you to note, starting with verse 45, David, in his little speech to Goliath, he mentions the Lord seven times. Seven, oh, excuse me, five times in seven verses. Five times in seven verses, David mentions that it's the Lord's or God's battle. Okay, I'm not going to read that to you, but, uh, you know, he says, I come against you in the name of the Lord. And uh, Israel has a God, and the Lord saves, and the battle is the Lord's. So, okay. So, um, you know, 
some of the Israelites were saying, hey, uh, Goliath is too big to kill. And David is thinking, no, he's too big to miss. You know, how can I miss him with my slingshot? So you know the rest of the story. He kills, uh, he kills Goliath. In fact, after he kills him with the, uh, you know, with the rock in the slingshot, uh, he cuts his head off. He brings his armor back and all that. So you would think that Saul would be thrilled because after the Philistines run away, the Israelites chase them and the Israelites win a big victory. So you would think that Saul would be thrilled that, uh, you know, he, his, you know, the Israelites are the, the victors, right? And here in, in verse uh, 56, he, in this uh, rendition of the story in chapter 17, he finds out that um, this guy is, is David, although I hasten to add in chapter 16, he, he already knows David because uh, David was his uh, harp player. Okay, moving on. You would think that Saul would be, you know, a happy camper, right? But here's one of Saul's problems. He's very jealous. And the women, you know, they, they see David and he's very attractive. And it says in verse 7 of chapter 18, the women played and sang. You know, they're singing a song and it goes, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Uh, Saul was very angry and resentful of the song for he thought they give David ten thousand but only thousands to me. All that remains for him is the kingship. In other words, he's worried about losing his own kingship. It said, and from verse 9 of chapter 18, and from that day on, Saul was jealous of David. See what a poor leader he is? He doesn't want to give credit to others. Good leaders give credit to others who work under them when they do something right. So Saul tries to kill David in verse 11. He he uh, he uh, he threw the spear, I guess, twice at David, trying to kill him. But David escapes him. Now, uh, for the rest of First Samuel, uh, David and Saul have two issues. Number one, the Philistines continue to fight with the um, you know the uh, Israelites. That's one issue, and another issue is. David has to keep running away from Saul and avoiding Saul trying to kill him. And um, so um, we, we saw just a moment ago that Saul tried to nail David to the wall with a spear. And that same night in chapter 19, verse 11, Saul sent messengers to David's house to guard it that he might kill him in the morning. But David's wife, Michelle, who was also Saul's daughter, informed him, unless you save yourself tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. Now, one thing you may not know about David, but I want you to write this in your margins. David wrote, is a, I should say, David is attributed with having composed about 70 of the Psalms. Uh, when we get to Psalms, we'll, you know, obviously we'll cover Psalms. But uh, Psalm 59 is one that is attributed to David having written when he's trying to get away from Saul 
uh, you know, who, who came to his house and, and wanted to kill him. So I don't want to, um, I want you to read Psalm 59 on your own, but I want you to write Psalm 59 next to chapter 20, uh, excuse me, next to chapter 19, verse 11. So let's look, um, you know, keep, keep reading in 1 Samuel, but I'm going to read to you a little bit of this Psalm 59, uh, which is attributed to David. Um, when Saul sent people to watch his house and kill him. That's from what we just read. Here's the psalm. Rescue me from my enemies, my God. Lift me out of reach of my foes. Deliver me from evildoers, from the bloodthirsty. Save me. They have set an ambush for my life. The powerful conspire against me. For no offense or misdeed of mine, Lord, for no fault, they hurry to take up arms. Come near and see my flight. Uh, yeah, see my plight. And then in uh, verse 10 of Psalm 59, he says, You, God, are my fortress, my loving God. Might be worth underlining in Psalm 59, verse 10. But um, he concludes that psalm. Uh, I shall sing your strength, extol your love at dawn, for you are my fortress, my refuge in time of trouble, my strength, your praise I will sing. You, God, are my fortress, my loving God. And again, all that's from Psalm 59, which David composed after thinking, or at least it's attributed to David, um, after uh, Saul sent people to uh, kill him at his own home, and he, he gets away. Okay, so the rest of First Samuel is a uh, two things. David trying to get away from Saul, and at the same time, the Israelites uh, trying to win victories over the Philistines. Okay, and it gets gets pretty nutty. Uh, I guess we didn't get as far as I wanted to today. So um, we'll probably have to come back and pick up on chapter 21 next time. But let's consider how, how David must have felt. I mean, he's the anointed by God, and yet he has his, he certainly has his problems, right? I mean, his own king has, at this point, tried to kill him two times. So if you feel like you're having a bad day and God is not with you, maybe take a look at that Psalm 59 that is attributed to David uh, that he would have written while, uh, you know, perhaps after uh, running away after Saul tried to kill him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we know you have a grand plan. And you can even use evil men like Saul to bring about a greater good. Uh, obviously, you want us to be good, but even for those who are bad, you can still use them to bring about some greater good. This greater good is David, who will unite all of Israel. And so uh, help us to remember that David himself, while a great hero of the Old Testament, he had his problems. And Lord, we know we have our problems. But like David, please give us the, the grace to recognize that you are in charge and that you 
care for us and you watch over us, uh, so much so that you're willing to give us eternal life with you if we can just endure as David is enduring here. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.